episode and a new series for the love pod love rockets podcast i'm rachel and as usual i'm joined by ian hello and today we are joined by tom stewart hey 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 and we are kicking off a new series but before we do that it's been it's been a minute since we've um, all been together virtually or otherwise, and it's a new year. So, how's everyone doing? Doing. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, oh I think yeah. you're back. <laughs> I was like, he's doing. Oh, no. He's, he's done. <laughs> okay. I'm here now. <laughs> Welcome back. How are you doing? How's your 2021? I'm I'm doing great. I feel a lot of things, most of them positive. Well, that's good. Ian, how's your 2021? Uh, not too shabby. I'm surprised that January is almost over because mm-hmm. uh, it flew by and I just want to ride the new year feeling as long as I can. But- I feel like I didn't have a lot of new year feelings. Because I feel like we're living in this alternative universe where time doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I took a break before all the students came back. And I am just, I'm trying to still ride that feeling of like I was in peace and quiet and I reflected on my life and it was beautiful. Oh, that sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody have any New Year's resolutions that they're, that they're trying to think about or work on? I never make resolutions. <laughs> I just like, as general rule. <laughs> I don't do resolutions. Um, I pick a word to focus on for the year. Oh, okay. Um, twenty twenty was uncomfortable, and I regret that. But <laughs> <laughs> this year, I decided that uh, gentle was a good word. So hmm. gentle is the word I'm focusing on. So I'm trying. To be more gentle this year. So that's what we're working with. I, I do yeah. some reflection. I think I think back, I think forward. But I try not to I don't know, I try not to put too much pressure on me to do something and behave differently because it doesn't usually work out that way. Well, and also, okay, so people who know things about Enneagram, Tom and I are both ones. Mm, so yeah, like, so they're reformers. Self- improvement <laughs> is like a constant like yes. piece to our puzzle like yes. we're always like what am I doing what could I be doing better am I a good person how do I know <laughs> that I'm a good person <laughs> how do I help other people be do, a more yes. good person without actually making them hate say, themselves and me. a good person but you could be <laughs> yes 
<laughs> yeah, and so... so I feel like the new year doesn't really make me feel like now's the time to be a good person. I'm just always trying to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. As a as a Negram too, I'm really great at helping other people and not helping myself. So I have to make it a discipline to think about how am I doing. So that's good. I just set I have... vague goals. I've been reading more. And by reading, I mean listening to audiobooks more. Two absolute bangers for 2021. Uh, the Color of Compromise. It's about uh, the, the history of the church. It's specifically about the history of the church's background with racism and how deeply rooted it is and how far back it goes, which maybe we'll talk about some of that on this series. Um, yeah. And the other one was The Liturgy of Politics, which I found to be very healing amidst a very politically turbulent time in our nation's history. Oh, we love a well-read friend. I am. I support your adventures in audiobooks. It took I me a long. Teach me things. Oh, it took me a long time to get back to actually wanting to. I listen to podcasts. But it took me a long time to want to get back into book listening after seminary. But I'm there. These those two books have been a plus. I mean, you're you're a month in. You already have two books that you really liked. I think that's great. Yeah, it's been good. That's great. Um, yeah, I set like a vague goal. And then if I like kind of do that, I'm like, wow, look, improvement. So my vague goal is to drink more water um, mm. at school <laughs> specifically. Um, because for people who are listening who don't know this, I'm a teacher. And I spend most of my days not drinking a single drop of water until the end of the school day. Then I like crawl to my car, <laughs> in a very dehydrated and dazed state, and I'm like, maybe I could drink water throughout the day, and I wouldn't just, feel like this. Just a constant state of dehydration. Yeah, yeah that's just, good. Just so punishing I, your body all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, I feel like I could do something about this. So I've been packing a lot of water because I don't have like one vessel large enough for the whole day. So then when I like am on my way to school in the morning, I just like there's a lot of sloshing and my I sound like a camel. (laughs) It's not great, but it is better. So yep, that's my it's my 2021, just trying to not die of dehydration. That's a good goal. going well um all right so we are happy to be back we are pumped to dive into a new series um we think we may know how many weeks this series is but you know really who knows so we'll just do this until we're all done um and we'll keep you posted in terms of how long it will be or the arc of it um but this series is entitled drumroll roll please <laughs> thank you thank you for the audible trope <laughs> I like that one of you did a drum roll and the other one just made drum roll noises <laughs> that, was really, that was really great I liked your noises Tom hey I didn't think you could hear me tapping through my headphones so I was like well I'll do the doodle 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 I think it was good I appreciate it that's actually what I was envisioning when I said drum roll please um, so you read my mind um This is entitled, the series is going to be entitled Faith We Sing, and it's going to be focused on hymns. Hmm. Now, I feel that there is a lot of uh, 
I don't know, just like a lot of preconceived ideas about hymns or some things that you think of when you think about hymns. And I, I'm afraid that a lot of those thoughts are that it's boring. So I just want to say right off the bat, that we're going to do our best to make this not boring. <laughs> so keep listening. <laughs> um, and I'll also say that we have also been hard at work. And by we, I mean Tom has been hard at work in um, including some fun audio for each of these episodes. So that you'll actually be able to hear the different hymns that we're going to be talking about sung um, by some familiar voices if you've been around for a minute so I'm very excited about that um, and I'm very thankful for Tom because he has all those skills I do not have and do not want to have and <laughs> it's been fun um, to play with the sound recording toys and sound I'm so glad that you editing toys fun. and I'm so glad that you can do that and I don't have to <laughs> <laughs> um so we've um, been working on that. We're piecing together episodes. We're really excited to kind of dive into those. But in order to kind of kick off this series, I thought it would be helpful if we kind of did um, kind of a kickoff discussion intro to just the idea of like uh, music and church in general and then specifically hymns, because I feel like there's like a lot to unpack in kind of both of those camps. Mm -hmm. So to kick us off, what is like each of our experiences with music in church or worship or how would you sum up your worship background? Hmm. That's a good question. I was uh, your normal but normal, I mean, not normal, church kid. So I was, uh, church was a big part of my family growing up. My dad was not, uh, he's, a, he's a band director and uh, elementary music teacher, has a couple degrees, some from prestigious universities. So he's like a really ultra high quality musician. Um, so my mm-hmm. family was very musical and uh, my dad played trumpet in church sometimes and, and he's just like a world-class trumpet player. He's so good. Um, if you took as if you took my individual skill and each of my instruments and stacked it up, I wouldn't even come close to touching what he can do on the trumpet. But um, so I just remember like watching him, you know, practice growing up. Watching him, he played church sometimes, and he would just tear it up. He's he's phenomenal. Um, and so like I I went to church a lot. We sang a lot, and um, I think for a lot of people, music has a an ability like to connect them to God in a unique way. It's like, that's kind of like wired mm-hmm. us to um, have this kind of like, uh, maybe it's not necessarily a sacred pathway, but like a, a music connects our heart to God in ways that like words can't. It's like, it's like transcends, um, right. Transcends words, transcends words a lot. And so, yeah, I, I really found that experience to be, to be true for me. Granted some worship music, and I'm sure we'll talk about this too does not connect my heart to God at least, but um, <laughs> there's, yeah, some, some of this better than others, but uh, yeah, growing up in church a lot, seeing my dad play. And then um, I started playing in the worship band when I was in uh, high school and I just kind of like never stopped. So I've just been kind of doing worshipy band stuff for many, many years now. What was like the main style of like worship for your home church? 
Um, we had a hymnal that we played out of, but it was uh, kind of like the birth of Christian contemporary praise music. So my churches kind of just all followed that. And they, they were a couple of years behind. They were never. We, we, didn't, yeah. we didn't adopt any Hillsong until like 2007. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I mean, I feel like that's pretty progressive because it was like a pretty traditional church, right? Uh, some of them, yeah. We had I had two churches growing up when we moved um, when I was younger, and both of them had you know uh, piano player, and then another one eventually had a drummer, um, keyboard. We never had I never had any organs in my church. You know, your worship's lit when you like. We also have a drummer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was never a contentious issue for my church. Drums or no yeah. drums. Yeah. Ian, what about you? Uh, for me, I didn't grow up going to church, but we would watch church on TV. So, mm-hmm. like, I remember, like, kind of like big band worship. So, like, you had a whole percussion section, you had brass instruments, but then you also had, like, guitar, you had drums, you had bass players, you had, like, a choir and then main singers. So, I, I remember that as a kid. And then we started going to church. Um, I like accepted Christ at a worship concert that was contemporary. Um, It was a Mark Schultz concert. Um, So I always naturally went more towards like contemporary worship music. Uh, The Mm -hmm. first church that I went to uh, with my family in like middle school was a contemporary church. But then when we moved we switched to a church that had a traditional service and a contemporary service. Uh, shout out to Dublin Baptist. Um, and they needed saxophonists and I played saxophone. So I actually played a hymn before I ever sang a hymn. So then I was doing the orchestra in the mornings for first service and then going, um, and staying for worship for the second service and then going across the street to do like Sunday school. So my formation with worship music was always started with contemporary, but always had both. And then uh-huh. going to college, um, being a part of H2O, we do contemporary style. And then I got into sound mixing and sound design and I've done it for both, but doing it for contemporary modern worship music um has always helped me connect more but i also appreciate a good hymn so that's kind of my background with it yeah i think um sounds like like a combination of kind of both Mm -hmm. like takes on like communal worship um i grew up in for the most like the majority of my childhood i grew up in a methodist church that was very traditional so we had an organ there was like maybe maybe if people were feeling spicy at the traditional service (laughs) there would sometimes be piano played for (laughs) a couple of um either the hymns or if it was like um a benediction that was like particularly peppy it would be on the piano instead of the organ but um most of it was done in the organ and um both of my parents are both very like musically inclined and we're both involved with like music in the church and things like that so um I feel like 
not only at church but like it was also like at home like our I feel like my whole childhood was just like soundtracked so like <laughs> a part of the like my childhood soundtrack is like this whole catalog of like old church music and anthems and hymns and um like really traditional um church music paired with some pretty exceptional um, vacation Bible school songs that I particularly <laughs> like to torture Tom with. Well, um, these like these uh, Bible verses that like don't rhyme that have like some weird yeah. tune. Yeah, have a weird <laughs> melody, but it's like a whole verse, um, and they're seared into my memory. The think of what I could do if I had that kind of brain space freed up. I could <laughs> I could have been like a powerful and important person by now. Yep, but it's all um, just locked up. <laughs> locked up with down. locked up with yeah. that word is lamp into my feet sung in some tune that I don't remember <laughs> I remember all the tunes um but and then um when I was in high school we started going to a non-denominational church and their worship was like very um contemporary but even like that word, like traditional versus contemporary, like means something different depending on where you go. Yeah. Because like the church I grew up in had a contemporary service and that meant there was like a guitar and a drum set, mm-hmm. but they were still doing like traditional music. Um, But like my, the, my, like what I call my home church, like where I went when I was in high school and then when I would go back home during college and things like that, like they do Hillsong and chris tomlin and like contemporary contemporary things Mm -hmm. um so i feel like it's yeah like it kind of runs the gamut um but like you were saying earlier tom like all of that like holds a very like special place for me and because i just feel like music in general has like allowed for me to like think deep things about god Mm -hmm. and like uh, understand things about myself better and communicate those things easily um, and I think about when I think about learning those hymns when I was little like I think about I was like understanding big things about God without actually knowing that I was learning them if that makes sense mm-hmm. like I was being introduced to like deep theological ideas um, without like knowing it and Um, I hope that we get to like uncover some of that and kind of um, learn more about that. But so like music in church in general can be a very divisive topic. So it can be divisive both like locally within a church, but then also like the, the, the global church as a whole in terms of what, worship is what music should be in church like it's super divisive and like i'm just wondering like why do you think that is yeah that's a good question i think uh, part of the struggle of churches in general like even not even bigger than music is like what do we hold on to and just adopt purely and then what do we adapt for the culture Uh, that's like a a really Mm -hmm. big question just across ministry in general like what what are things that we just take right out of scripture and use straight up? And what are some things that we gotta think about how they met in that day and then like change them for our day? So in the Bible mm-hmm. we, we see Jesus singing hymns with his disciples together. We see, you know, a a, a hymn book basically in, in the Psalms. So like we have a precedent to, you know, sing our worship to God. 
Uh, the, mm-hmm. the question is how, and I think it's also to the finding how the church has a tendency to, to uh, say like what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. That's a, that's a big question. I don't know that that's a good thing. I just think that everyone's always thinking what's acceptable worship, what's acceptable practice. Well, it's like they were trying to make mm-hmm. rules about it. I thought that's a worship has gotten mm-hmm. kind of drug into that. What's acceptable ways to sing. Mm-hmm. And there are like appropriate things to do and there are inappropriate things to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And go ahead. Oh, uh, there's just a, a quick seminary nugget. Ian, I learned this in seminary, the very, very first Baptist church. So I'm talking like 1680s uh, mm-hmm. split over whether or not to sing hymns because one of the founding members thought that anything that was made by humans was not good enough or they didn't even allow paper Bibles. You couldn't even have a man-made Bible in your service. (laughs) How wild is that? You couldn't bring a Bible to church because it wasn't good enough. Well, and we're going to kind of talk more about that in a minute, too, because um, we're going to kind of do like a little historical rundown for like hymns and singing in church. But I think it's like it's one of those things where I change is hard no matter what organization you're a part of. And the church, like it, it, it is an organization mm-hmm. like we don't we don't often like to look at it like that because we you know we have all these other things connected to it and it feels more like a family to us and it's it's complicated but it also it is an organization and it functions like that and i think whenever there's change the people who hold the power in that organization feel hesitant to to let that go or let some things be permissible or allowable because it kind of threatens their position yeah and I just think, like, all of that has to make the heart of God, like, so sad. Yeah. Well, I think it's really hard, too, because a lot of people, they they think they're doing what is, you know, set for in the Bible. They're guarding the faithful teaching. They're, you know, carrying the traditions forward. But right, it's a hard balance of, like, what traditions do you just bring forward and what traditions do you bring the spirit of forward and right. practice differently? Right. Yeah. Well, and there's so many differences too, like even just like thinking about just in the people that I know or like churches that I know or knew of growing up, like there are churches who have like dissolved because they couldn't decide if it's okay to use instruments during worship Mm -hmm. or not. Uh, There's like churches who have uh, made two services and the people who go to one service don't talk to the people at the other service because they wanted to sing from hymnals as opposed to like projecting the words of the hymn on the wall like there's all these differences in how worship should be done and what like what uh what uh tools you use to like get you know get it done and do Mm -hmm. it and i guess my question is like do those differences really matter like are they important Yeah, that's a good question. I I think probably not, but I'm also a person who finds myself in a contemporary church. So my my Christian experience has been one that has typically adapted more than adopted. So could be mm-hmm. could be. But I also think like you, I think you're a good example of this though, uh, because like you do have very strong opinions in terms of like, uh, like 
in terms of like p- curating and picking songs that mm. we will do like as a part of a Sunday service. Yes. Like there like you care very deeply about that. And I think that some people could look at that and be like, well Tom has a lot of personal preferences. But I don't see them as personal preferences because like you are defending like like ideas about God that matter. Yes. Or you are saying like it matters the way in which we like focus on these things. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh I I am very picky when it comes to what songs that I would add to our songbook or things that I would do in church. I think that um like I said before, the, the point of music is to invoke an emotional response in us. And so it's very easy for us to write good music and pair it with uh maybe I don't I don't wanna call any worship music bad, but with words that are not necessarily uh, scripturally based or maybe even like just a little bit uh, metaphysical, kind of like unclear in their meaning. Airy theory. Yes. Airy theory. Meadow uh, always calls them worshipful, but not worship. So it's like, you know, worship environment, like air, which I, I'm a, it's hard to make clear distinctions like that. I just think that it's easy to listen to a song and be like, oh, that's a banger. And then not be critical about the words. But the uh, I read a stat that I think like 40% of what we believe uh, comes from what we sing in church. It's like it's like a large percentage of our theology and our beliefs comes from the worship yeah. music that we listen to or the, the music that happens in our church. So it's really important that we pick songs. And so I'm really, I really am picky that we pick songs that the music accentuates the words and the words are based in scripture. That's like the that's like the guideline. Right. If if I can't find a scripture for, and sometimes and use it for, like what's the scripture that you're like, oh that's Ezekiel. I'm like oh, well I have that song a lot more now. I'm like trashing a song, <laughs> and you're like oh yeah, what's well, the scripture? They're, they're talking about Peter. I'm like oh, okay, well that song makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I think it's important to like stop and question those things. Like I think it's good and I think it's necessary because I think if we if we don't, then like. I think we're really underplaying the power of like what it means to communally sing something yeah. to, to you know stand as a people and be kind of like united in the thing that we're focusing on or the thing that we're like, you know, that we're experiencing together. Like it, it is, absolutely. but I think that like we're people and we're messy and we get confused about <laughs> the particulars of like, where that line of caring should or could yeah. end. Yeah, absolutely. I think, too, a lot of people have kind of like an elitist view about hymns. Like, oh, hymns are better because they're old and they've been around a long time. But like I said, reading this book, uh, yeah. Color Compromise, there's a lot of, of old stuff. That's you know a tradition of the church. That just because it's old doesn't mean it's good. Like, they, they might have been writing these exactly. beautiful words at the time, but they were also segregating their churches and, you know, owning slaves. So, not everything about those old days oh. is good. Okay, speaking of which, let's okay. get into it. Okay, so I feel like people might not know this about me because there's very little in my life at this point to point to it. But at one point in time, and I still currently am, a large history hmm. nerd. Love it. Appreciate it. Can't get enough. So this makes me very excited as I was looking into this. Slash, I want us to kind of be able to put on our historian hats as we kind of like move through this oh yeah hit us with that history and 
good <laughs> historians always view things with a critical eye and also really appreciate context in which things were written, things were happening. Nothing is really viewed in uh, like in isolation. And I think that's so great. And I really value context in my own life. So I feel like with history, I just get so excited because I'm like, yes, everything has a place. Everything fits. Like everything is within a tapestry and nothing is just like on its own. So here's a rundown history of hymns. And this is very quick and not all encompassing, but we're just going to hit the highlights. So in biblical times, the word for hymn meant song of praise. And there was singing together, mostly straight up from Psalms or things that were already written as sacred texts. A lot of these hymns were also just written for any God, not specifically big G God like Yahweh. So a lot of people out there doing wild Hmm. things. Then come like the Middle Ages, more hymns were written, um, but they were in Latin and then those were sung mostly by monastic choirs, so choirs that are made up of monks. And these were not accessible to, like, regular everyday people. Like, that was for the, the quote-unquote holy people or people who were highly educated, who knew Latin, um, probably had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So uh, not really accessible to, to everybody. Like we, for example, probably wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be really enjoying a lot of hymns. So I don't know that we meet, we are in the highest like echelon of importance or society. Um, so then not until Martin Luther, our boy, Martin <laughs> Luther, Protestant Reformation, um, which is kind of a <laughs> deep church history cut. So if you're interested in that, go look that up separately. Um, But this is like the Middle Ages where there's now the printing press. There's this um, boom of reading material that's available to like regular people for the first time. And Martin Luther really pressed for not only for hymns to be written, but for them to be printed and distributed. So these are this is when we first saw some of the first like songbooks, some of the first hymnals and things like that. Move to like the late 17th and early 18th century dude named Isaac Watts who wrote a lot of hymns and wrote some of the hymns that we will talk about in this series he thought it was really important for people not just to sing like psalms word for word but he wanted um, people to be able to sing from the heart so this is when you start to see some hymns that are more like lyrical and not just like direct copies of scripture so uh, also around at that time were John and Charles Wesley, who um, were some heavy hitters in terms of hymn writing. They also founded the Methodist Church. Shout out Methodists. <laughs> um, and they're known for making some melodies that are actually like singable. <laughs> so also a lot of old hymns were like just set to like very strict like chords and they weren't really like singable melodies um but the wesleys were known for making it so that we have some of these melodies that we still know today that are very popular um and they get credited for that so then cut to like the late 19th century when like this like gospel um genre kind of emerges 
And for this, like, we really have to credit um, Black creators and slave spirituals. Um, We have to credit them for a lot of, like, modern worship and a lot of what we know as, like, quote-unquote normal worship or typical Mm -hmm. worship in our churches kind of across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, But the sad thing is that, like, unfortunately, a lot of that history is, like, lost to us because it wasn't written down or it wasn't... um, like it wasn't saved in a way that is helpful to us, but um, they were able to like pass it down um, like through telling their children and their children told their children. And so it's like, there's this great like generational legacy. Um, So we know things through that. And then also, unfortunately we know a lot of it because it was co-opted by white people Mm. and popularized, um, which is uh, unfortunately a theme in a lot of history and and music. And music, yeah. So it's like uh, people of color doing something, white people see that thing, change it, take it, call it their own. So we see that a lot with some of the hymns that we are going to talk about, um, that they may have started as like um, slave spirituals or um, they have ties to um, a lot of black creators. So we're going to try and highlight some of that um, because we want to acknowledge that we're looking at this from a very white Mm -hmm. perspective um but yeah so hymns are generally were generally written following some sort of revival renewal or restoration in the church so with all of that context i know that was super fast how does how does that um influence like as we look at um like this collection of hymns how does that context help us kind of sort through what we'll be looking at i think it helps us frame hymns in their cultural context i think a lot of times people have like i said the elitist view of hymns like they are perfect because they are old but really they are just uh encapsulations of the thoughts and cultures of the time and they've said that's time because they're built on biblical principles. Uh, I, I think many of them, some of them. Um, but I think they're, they're kind of like a little, a little time capsule that helps us kind of look back in, in the culture, mm-hmm. like seeing how they're, yeah, seeing how they came about and how they um, were written kind of just tells us that it's, in my eyes, it gives us permission now to keep writing music because we're just encapsulating mm-hmm. our our views and our cultures today. We're just doing the best we can. Like they were doing the best they could. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that kind of touches on um, kind of one of the last ideas I wanted us to talk about is um, in undergrad a lot in a lot of the history classes I took, we would have this conversation of is history science or is history art? Like, and and why does it matter with what hmm. lens we're viewing it with? So when we look at history as science, as this like uh, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you yeah, can't like, be debated. Like it's defined. It be, like it's defined it, free of yeah, bias. Yes. And even if it could be debated, ultimately there is some, there is something where we could look at and be like, well, this is right. absolutely true. Um, 
But whereas if we look at it as art, it's like the expression of people who are creating. And we can kind of look at it with more of a, a critical eye. And we can look at it as something that was created by people who are fallible. So I think the same can be said of music. Like, is music science yeah. or is it art? And it does matter in, like, how we look at it or how we're going to talk a, about it. I heard a great um, analogy for that idea of, like, uh, if you were just to take, take a picture of a tree, like, that, would, that, would that picture be, uh, like you said, like, science or art? Because you have a lot of decisions when you're just taking that picture of how you want to shoot the tree. Do you want to take a step back and shoot it against mm-hmm. like the uh, blue background and take it day or night? You want to take it like looking up through its branches. Well, there's a lot of decisions that go into that and how you shoot the picture. It's just a picture, but it's going to communicate something different depending on how you choose to shoot it. And so I think like we can't forget about the fact that when we look at history, we're looking through our own context and our own lenses. And then the people who wrote the history that we even are looking at or reading or thinking about, they have their own context and their own lenses they're looking through too. And same thing with the Bible too. The Bible authors had um, a context and we have our context and we can't just ignore both of them. We have to look through ours and theirs to see what's actually truly there. It's, it's history, science, or art. Yes, right. it's science and it's art. Yeah, yeah. And it it's helpful to us to look at it as both like Mm -hmm. both and like Mm -hmm. yes it gets to be both of those things um and so like as we look at these hymns i want us to kind of look at it as not as like you were saying like they're just right because they're or they're just good or they're just right because they're old like i don't want us to look at them as sacred texts i want us to look Mm -hmm. at them as art because i want to be able to be able to criticize and look at them critically um but but you can do and also Mm -hmm. be respectful of them like Mm -hmm. you know i have a high i have a high regard for uh this like genre and i also like have a nostalgic connection to it like like i said like this is like the soundtrack of like my early days of understanding things about jesus like it is meaningful to me at the same time uh, uh, in just prepping for this series, I have read things where I've thought that is <laughs> nuts. Like, <laughs> like why? Why would anyone say that? And did they really mean it, or did they say more than they meant? Um, and I just think like, how great is it that like hundreds of years later we get to like look at something and both resonate with it and also be like, okay, well that's that's. Mm-hmm. problematic or challenging or you know um i think it's it's good to be able to do that so that being said throughout this series we're going to be just giving our opinions that's what they are their opinions and they're influenced by our own context and our own biases so we all bring things to the table in terms of how we view things and how we are consumers mm-hmm. of art and um we're just going to be doing that together because i think it's going to be a fun exercise all right so to wrap up can we brainstorm as a prep for the rest of this series some different purposes um that hymns 
have been written for. What are some big categories you think we could expect to find as we move through Mm. these different hymns? I feel like one of the things that even with like the history and as our conversation that I'm kind of thinking more of is like hymns are really great personal expressions of people's individual experiences Mm -hmm. with God. So just kind of thinking through like the normal things we go through with life. So we'll probably run into hymns that are like expressing just joy. We'll probably find some hymns that are expressing like lament or loss over something. Um, maybe like just like probably just hymns also just reaffirming like truths of who God is and what, what it means to follow him. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where my, my brain's going. What about you guys? I, I know at least uh, one of the Amazing Graces written um, from like a repentance standpoint, like like a lament over, you know, uh, his his former life. He was a slave trader. So it's kind of like, sorry. Spoiler alert. My, my bad. <laughs> we're, do, we're doing that one later, Tom. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I think that and in that case, for sure, like context is huge. Um, yeah, I think that Ian hit a lot of the big ones. Um, I think that they also, in a lot of cases, can like be reaffirming to mm-hmm. our own identity. Mm-hmm. So it's like reminding us truths about ourselves too. Um, and I think some of those truths are like make us feel good and I think some of those truths make us feel kind of exposed Mm -hmm. and vulnerable um but I think that like the writers of these hymns I think like hoped that they would drive people to honestly communicate with uh with God and kind of take stock of what that Mm -hmm. means about our humanity Mm-hmm. Um. So I hope that some of our conversation will also trigger that for some people too, and just like sitting with some of that uncomfortability, I guess sometimes in terms mm-hmm. of viewing ourselves in light of a perfect and good God, uh, it can be it can be intimidating. Um. But yeah. So I'm very excited for us to get started. Each week we'll be going through a different hymn um, and we'll have a cover of that hymn included in the episode. So if you are familiar with it, you can re-familiarize yourself with the melody um, and some of the words. Um, And if you're not familiar with it, um, then I'm excited to kind of introduce you to this whole uh, world of very old songs Mm -hmm. about the Lord. (laughs) So um, I just want to thank Tom right, right off the bat. And I'll probably thank him every episode for his help in getting those around. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm uh, I'm so glad. Okay. Here's why it's been fun. (laughs) It's been fun to make music and create with people that you care about. Yes. Which is, I, I mean, this is something we'll probably get to in other episodes too, but like, we haven't, 
been mm-hmm. able to be with each other to sing very often in the last year. And that's right. been like, I agree. really painful for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that has always been a part of my life and a part of like my spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it so life giving to kind of be of one accord mm-hmm. with people in that way. Um, so as we were recording some of those, um, as we were singing, like I was listening to, which this might sound really creepy and I don't mean it in a creepy way. <laughs> I was listening to us breathe together as we were singing and I just felt like overwhelmed with like mm-hmm. the like simple unity in that. Like we all breathe together. We start singing at the same time. We end the phrase at the same time. Like all of that is yeah just really really beautiful and i was glad to be able to re-experience a little bit of that because it's been a long time yeah and i don't want people to think i was creepily sitting in your recording (laughs) people breathe (laughs) but that is what i was doing it's a it's a beautiful sentiment rachel it's not creepy you're okay (laughs) these can be true it can be beautiful and creepy it's creepy out of context. How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. And Ian, do you want to wrap us up? I would love to. Thank you guys so much for listening to this intro. We are super excited to be doing this series, The Faith We Sing. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing all of the HGO Toledo covers of all the different hymns we're talking about. I got a sample and it's pretty tight. So if you guys are excited about the series, if you don't, if you have any questions or any thoughts on it, please remember to email us at lovepodloverockets at gmail.com. And we'll be back soon with our first episode of your series. So thanks again for joining us. Remember to leave us a like and review and we'll Bye. see you next time. Bye. <laughs>